You're listening to Spark Hustle Flow, the podcast that teaches money pros to launch, grow, and yes, even scale your virtual financial service business. And I'm your host, Kimberly Stevenson. Let's dive in and get started. Hello, my friends. We're on episode 22 of the Spark Hustle Flow podcast this week. Welcome, and thanks for joining me and listening into this chat that I had with Jacqueline Sinfield, my first international interview. Jacqueline lives north of the border in Canada, and I absolutely love her spirit. Jacqueline specializes in helping adults with ADHD manage their symptoms naturally so that they can succeed in all areas of life, including in their careers, their studies, their home, and their relationships. She used to be a registered nurse, and she holds a bachelor's degree in psychology. The name of her blog and her book is Unhappy Brilliance, and she has helped thousands of adults with ADHD. So I thought it would be great to tap Jacqueline's brilliance and talk to her about how entrepreneurs can really deal with the everyday distractions that we face, even those of us who have not been diagnosed with ADHD. During our chat, we talk about things like the role self-awareness plays in our ability to focus and how one-size-fits-all systems will probably not help you if you really struggle with distractions in your business. We talk about how being easily distracted is particularly difficult for those of us in the money space and how linear thinkers can work towards overcoming those challenges. She shared one really practical idea that can show results almost immediately. So make sure you listen out for that one. We even dive into busting some myths about those who have been diagnosed with ADHD and the types of roles that they may or may not be suited for, including finance. I learned so much from talking with Jacqueline, and I'm actually putting her advice into action in my own business. I'm sure you're going to feel the same way once you listen, so why don't I let you just go and do that? Here's my chat with Jacqueline about overcoming distractions in your business. Hi, Jacqueline. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you for having me, Kimberly. Thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate you uh, agreeing to come and talk with me about this. I don't know if it's really heavy or not, but it definitely seems like something that so many of us struggle with about this particular topic. And so we're talking about overcoming distractions in your business today, and I'm super excited to talk with you. Awesome, awesome. And it doesn't need to be heavy, you know, like distractions are like, it's like a muscle mastering your distractions. So it, it doesn't need to be heavy. It can be something that you can approach with like, oh yeah, I get to do this, like master this thing. I love that already. I, I'm even more excited now. <laughs> so we we told our, our listeners, we shared a little bit about your background with our listeners, but why don't you take a moment and tell us Um, in your own words, how did you get started doing this type of work? Okay, so I am a coach for adults with ADHD, so attention deficit disorder. And a lot of people don't realize that 
adults have it too. So everyone's familiar that children have or can have ADHD. And it also goes by the name ADD, but like uh, that was like an older name when someone's diagnosed with ADHD. Now the official term is ADHD, but if you hear them, people use them interchangeably. Um, so, so anyway, so I've, I work with adults. It is genetic. That doesn't mean to say if you've got ADHD that your children will automatically have it. But if you have it, there's a good chance one or both of your parents had ADHD too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, that's news to me. I never knew. This is the first time that I'm actually hearing that it could be hereditary. Yeah, yeah. Now, it, uh, it might not be, there's other ways that you might get ADHD. So, um, uh, so a lot of people now, are, thankfully with modern technology, uh, if someone's born prematurely, in the past they might have unfortunately died, passed away, whereas now they're being kept alive. And But if someone's been born, say, like 30 weeks, then they, they might develop ADHD. And in that case, their parents might not necessarily have had it. Also, if someone had uh, say a car accident uh, in the 30s, 40s, and if they got a head injury, they might develop ADHD as a result of that. But that would have come. So, so not always, but a lot of the time, yeah, it's, it's passed on through the families. That's super interesting. And so I am going to kind of throw myself on the guillotine for a moment <laughs> and share something transparently that I have done in the past. And I feel like maybe that it just probably wasn't the, the nicest thing to do. And so I have this really bad habit of saying, I think I have adult onset ADD just mm -hmm. because I get distracted very easily. And I say it kind of tongue in cheek because it's not something that I've ever really like gone to a medical professional to, you know, have diagnosed or anything like that. I just tend to forget things or am easily, you know, pulled in different directions. And I'm, I think it's probably more so from taking on too many tasks or, you know, different things uh, at the same time. But I say that I, I, I've said that in the past. And so having just listen to you describe what ADD or ADHD really is and how it's diagnosed. I will definitely make a concerted effort to really never um, make that comment again, right? And so thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate that. Um, so we are talking about generally dis being distracted in our business today. And we are going to touch a little bit more on kind of the, you know, those of us who may actually have a medical diagnosis of ADD or ADHD, but I definitely want to talk about just being distracted in a general sense and how that could impact us in our business and hold us back or keep us stuck or um, just present challenges um, as entrepreneurs. So my first question to you is, in general, mm -hmm. how do we know, how can we tell when it's when our distractions are what's really keeping us stuck. Can we talk about that a little bit? Like, how do we know it's that we're distracted or it's something else? Hmm. Okay, so that's a good question. So 
first of all, I think it's helpful to think of distractions in two different ways. So, it, well, the opposite of distraction is being able to focus and concentrate. So if you can able to focus and concentrate, then you can like zoom in to something, so a task and and make progress on it so so and that feels good because you're moving an important project forwards in your business so so that is sort of min seconds hours minutes however long but then you can also get distracted in your business thinking like oh you know I really want to do this and you sign up for a program or I really want to get really good at CEO and like and then like oh hang on a minute but YouTube's where I need a YouTube channel and so so you can get distracted in your business like that but then you can also get distracted like trying to in, in, in any point during the day so you your question was could you repeat your question again sorry how do we sure and how do we generally know or how are we able to identify that either like like you were just explaining is it a is it a broad distraction like what people i guess refer to as shiny object syndrome versus i have difficulty concentrating and that inability to concentrate is what is holding me back. How do, what's a really, maybe a good way to pinpoint that? Yeah, so I think, first of all, if we think of like somebody that wants to sit down and write something, maybe they want to write a new page on their website, okay. So in order to do that, what they would need to do is sit down at the laptop and you know, type and like get the words out of the head. So in that scenario, there's a lot of things that could be getting in the way of them being able to get those words out onto paper. So it could be they're getting external distractions, maybe the phone's ringing or uh, the thing. Uh, so uh, that would be an example. Or there's a loud noise or lots of loud noises. So they're all external distractions that are diverting your attention. That being said, some people do really well when there is some external noise. So a lot of people, like the, maybe when you were growing up and you'd be playing really loud music and your mom was like, how can you concentrate when you are uh, <laughs> got that on? Well, some people actually do concentrate very and be able to focus really well when they've got background noise. So all depends, it's very much tailored towards you, but most, like, you're not really gonna be able to focus if you've got like the phone ringing and you feel like you need to, to answer it. So there's external distractions and then there's also internal distractions. Actions. And that might be like, oh, um, well, I need to write this page for my website, but it's my, I've just remembered it's my brother's birthday. I better go on Amazon and order him something. And then, oh, um, okay, I did that. Oh, but it's garbage day. Let me just go and run and take the garbage out. So those internal distractions might be because you're kind of scared that if you don't do those things now you'll forget and maybe your brother's birthday will come and go before you remember to get him that present so you better act now same with the garbage you know so to so those type they feel real like that's like you distracting yourself and so in that case you can develop little systems to sort of remind you so for example this is what I tell all my clients when you're focusing on something like this 
have a paper and pen and a, like a notepad like this is its, its official job and like oh okay brother's birthday by present you just write that down and that notepad rather than a scrap piece of paper its sole job is to remind you of things that you'll do after you've done this focus and concentration work your brain doesn't really like sitting and focusing and concentrating because it has to use its brain juice and we're all about preservation and we want to keep that for an emergency and it's hard so the, for the first eight, approximately five to eight minutes, you're going to be sitting down and it doesn't feel that exciting. It's much more exciting to like run off and do things and, oh, I'll go and do this. Like that's much more of an exciting, stimulating environment. But if you can just sit with that discomfort between five and eight minutes, approximately, then you allow yourself to get into the groove of the task and then you can end up enjoying it. So that if you can really give yourself the time to be that window of time to be able to to get into that groove have a system in place so that if you do think of something um, then write it down S sit in the if you're someone that doesn't like external noises then obviously switch your phone off and and make a conducive environment so that you can focus there's also something else that we need to consider and that's emotions so um, if you had an argument with someone that you love, then it's going to be much harder to be able to focus. And also, if you're feeling like, you know, who am I to put myself out on the web or like any sort of self-doubt that can really get in the way of being able to focus on, on those things. So, Wow. So, uh, so much to unpack there. So here's what I, here's here are my takeaways and tell me if I get it right or if I miss a piece. So there are, it sounds like three specific types of uh, stimuli that uh, focus on or make it a challenge for you to deal with distractions. So they're external, yeah. internal, and then potentially like emotionally based kind of stimuli um, and, and that they're all very different. And depending on the project that you're working on at the particular time, there are ways, there are, there are things that you can do to put things into place that will help you with that. And so if you're dealing with something like those internal distractions or internal stimuli, something that as simple as a notepad beside you and writing down what you need to write down um, and then going back to the task at hand versus if it's um, something that's external, like the telephone ringing was your example. It could be a matter of doing what I do, put my phone on do not disturb or flip it over when I start a project. So I am not disturbed during that time. So really knowing yourself well enough to know how to help yourself through something before you even jump in is what it sounds like, right? Yeah, absolutely. And not only that, you can get even better at knowing yourself. So for example, I have a little course, it's called Focus on Demand. And that is all about really getting to know like what works so you've got a repeatable system because that's the other thing sometimes if there's a deadline like an external deadline suppose you've got to do your taxes 
most people would be motivated by that deadline. And so then it's much easier to be able to focus, say no to other things like, oh, I've got to do my taxes, sit down, maybe work for many hours in one sitting. But then people think, oh, but I could do it then. Why can't I do it now? Well, if there isn't a deadline and that sense of external accountability and possibly negative consequences, then it can get harder. So what you really want to do is to try and make this thing as like really get to know yourself so if you if you're someone that is motivated by external deadlines like okay well that's good i was able to focus then how can i focus now without that like what else can i do so so it's like you're constantly learning about how you operate that's you know what that's so that's so true for me i think i taught myself to be motivated by external deadlines, especially when I was back in college. And I knew when most of my assignments would be due, like a particular day of the week, um, they would always, you know, would be the due date would be like Sunday at 11.55 PM or something like that. And I would rarely start the assignment before four or five o'clock on a Sunday. And I did well throughout, you know, college and, and my master's program. And I think some, in some ways that taught me that I didn't have to start things really early in order to perform well. And so I created this procrastination monster. And so now in business, you know, I have to force myself not to do that, not to wait until the last minute. But I think I created that, you know, within myself back when I was in school. And so I'm just wondering how many of us, you know, that are entrepreneurial who um, have worked well under pressure, have we kind of created that habit within ourselves? Hmm, And now we... Yeah, so that's... really good question so people with adhd are they are very much like that so they'll they know that when push comes to shove they can absolutely go all out and and achieve that and you and and like we're not saying you have adhd because but that is uh something that lots of people do without an add diagnosis it's kind of like human nature because all of a sudden that sort of it galvanizes into action and you make a really good point you got a really good grade so then it becomes a self-perpetuating cycle like why would I like spend all like two weeks over this when I can just pull out all the stops and get a really good grade in five hours and you know what some people actually do better doing it in a short window like that because what can happen then they can sort of like it get a bit lost in sort of research and make it overly complicated. Whereas when you're on a, a tight line, you just, your brain doesn't have to like, oh, is this important or not? It just kind of, oh, you know, like, oh, I'll just, it, it, you're not consciously thinking about prioritizing. It just seems to automatically happen. So when we're talking about that for entrepreneurs, because it's okay to do it, up to a certain point and I think university is probably the last time that you can do it and even then like you couldn't write uh, like a really long thesis in a, mm-hmm. in a short window of time. So-
So then as like as an entrepreneur, what can happen is you can set up your environment. If you know that you're someone that responds well to deadlines, you can set up deadlines. So for example, if you're working on a big project that's probably going to take about two months, just as an example, what you can do is have weekly check-ins with your clients and just say, hey, uh, you know, Mondays. And that is uh, like a little mini deadline. And the clients think you're awesome because you're giving them regular updates. But for you too, it's it's like a really good way to make sure that you're on task and not going to leave it till the last minute. I love that. I absolutely love that because I think where I've set myself up to fail in some, and what I see often with clients as well is we set those milestones, but we don't have that external accountability piece or we think that bringing the client into it some way kind of outs us, right? And like, you know, puts us, um, puts a, holds a mirror up to us in, in some ways. And we don't want our clients to necessarily know that we may struggle with it, but I love how you framed it um, as just like this checkpoint with them. And the, the client doesn't necessarily need to know why you're doing it. Exactly. And it helps you in the meantime, right? Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So some people, you can set appointments more often, say for, with accounting, like I know you're in accounting, but just suppose someone that isn't, you know, maybe they have an annual important appointment with their accountant, but why wait for a full year? If you know, maybe you make a quarterly appointment that, you know, there's all sorts of ways to include accountability if you've got a best friend they might not be the best people to hold you accountable and also you can set yourself deadlines but just because you set yourself a deadline doesn't mean to say you're going to honor it so that again it's a question of knowing you so a friend might not be the the best person because you all know like oh well they won't mind they'll understand (laughs) yeah it's always I think it's always better to uh like make that person someone who is not, I I wouldn't necessarily go as far as hold your, to say, hold your feet to the fire, but someone whose opinion in that specific moment is really important to you. And that will like just them being a part of it is enough of a stimuli for stimulus for you to stay on task. So I, I love that. So our listenership for the most part is our, our money pros, right? So tax pros, bookkeepers, CPAs, financial advisors, all of those types of folks. And so we're very, we have to be by training and by nature, very detail oriented. And so I think that there is this stigma for those of us who may struggle somewhat with being distracted or being easily distracted. It may take us longer to get things done because we are pulled in, you know, a bunch of different directions or, uh, you know, we struggle with staying kind of focused and on task, right? And so can we talk about that to some degree? I know that the sense is that, you know, accountants and, you know, tax folks, we are super head down, focused and concentrating all the time. But I'd like to, you know, kind of bust that myth. Not all of us are, are good, at, are great at that, are great at staying 
you know, focus for long periods of time, long stretches of time to get certain projects done. Um, so can we talk about some of the challenges that more um, linear or um, numbers oriented entrepreneurs or business folks may struggle with, with distractions and why that might be? Okay, so what I think would be a really good idea is to try and like, rather than be a stereotypical, like figure out who you are, like not just Kimberly, but everybody and sort of include that as part of your identity rather than have this like, oh, this is what accountants supposed to do, you know? And so if you can sort of play around like, oh, okay, so I'm an accountant, but I also really like to party. And I also really, so you've got a full spectrum rather than like, oh, accountants are supposed to mm -hmm. uh, crunch numbers and just sit down and, and work straight hours. So, so try and embrace every aspect of you and, and, and that, that will be helpful to sort of shirk any of these preconceived ideas that have been around for many, many years. Then the other thing to do is to get a timer, like a kitchen timer, and and that's its sole job is to keep you on task. Now, most people I work with can work, and I, I'm including myself in this, for 30 minutes. So if you set your timer and work for 30 minutes, some people can honestly work a little bit longer uh, consistently, maybe 45 minutes, but not, I wouldn't set it longer than 45 minutes and don't change it. Oh, today I'll do 30, I'll do, today I'll do 45. Like just get to know which is best for you. If you're not sure, start with, with 30. So then, then you're gonna work in 30 minute chunks. So like deep concentrated work for 30 minutes. And then when the timer goes off, have a mini break. And during that mini break, like get up, drink a glass of water, use the bathroom, you know, do something. You could even fold your laundry if you're working from home, but do not consume any new information. Don't check your phone, don't read the news, don't watch TV, anything screen, don't watch. And what happens then by doing that is you've given your brain a little break but you haven't really got out of that focused concentration zone so then when you come back even though if you weren't actually thinking about what you were working on you might suddenly make a little leap of like, like a problem because you were somehow oh yeah of course that's exactly why didn't I think of that sooner and so that is more likely than if you went and watched 15 minutes of news and that would have been consuming your mind so then you come back and then do it all again for another 30 minutes and just intercepting those 30 minutes. Because here's the thing, having the timer, that's a little deadline right there. And you'll get to, oh, I've only got five minutes. Or I feel like, oh, this is taking a long time. I'd rather not be doing this right now. And 15, I'm halfway there. So you can play like little games with yourself. And that's the other thing you might say, well, just if, if you're reading a book, then you're like, oh, I wonder if I, I could read three pages in 30 minutes. And then, like, oh, look at me. I did four pages. Let me see if I... So you, like, play mm -hmm. little games that creates 
a sense of urgency with the time or you're not compromising your standards but you're inserting a little bit of fun so always have a, a an objective at the beginning of the 30 minutes and and it's okay if you don't achieve it but it's like just keeping things exciting I love that. And I love that you said use a kitchen timer and I'll tell you why. So I actually have a little tomato kitchen timer in my office because I host co-working sessions for my clients and we use the Pomodoro technique and we use the timer and we work um, in stretches. We do 25 on and five minutes off. And sometimes we've done 45, but typically we do 25 on five minutes off. And it works like a charm. When I, instead of using the kitchen timer, try to use my phone, inevitably during the five minute break that we have, I start scrolling social media on my phone. And so you're, it's not really giving my mind, my brain, the break that it sounds like it really does need during that time. And so when you go back to work, it's, you know, you've either broken the concentration yeah. stream that you had in place, or um, you just haven't rested your brain enough, right? To, to then be able to come back and allow yourself the space to have kind of those ahas or epiphanies or things that you didn't notice the first time around. So I'm, I'll have to go back to really just using the, the kitchen timer itself. And it's, it's funny because the little tick, 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 tock that it makes, it's, that's a little, that's soothing in some ways as well. It's like white noise as you're working. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And then the thing with social media is that you'll be coming back and you'll be like, oh, but I really didn't like her dress or whatever it is. Like, oh, mm -hmm. you know, you're, you're thinking about what you've just seen rather than, and then it's harder to focus because you're kind of resisting focus because like there's a whole world out there that seems a whole lot more fun than the numbers that you're supposed to be working on. I love that. I, that's, that's awesome. Okay, so can we take a quick break and okay. play a fun this or that game? Oh, this or that. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. And we're doing the summer edition for all of our episodes for this summer. And we're asking everyone the exact same questions because I personally think it'll be fun to, at the end of the summer, kind of compare what everybody does. And it's really easy. So no thought. First okay. thought that comes, just first thing that comes to your mind, just go ahead and blurt it out. Okay. 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 All right. Let's go. So flights or road trips? Flights. Mexico or the Caribbean? Caribbean. Sundresses or shorts? Okay, I guess that depends, but I'm going to go with sundresses. <laughs> Pool, poolside or beachside? Beach. Cocktails or smoothies? Smoothies. Jet skis or parasailing? Hmm. Parasailing. Flip-flops or strappy sandals? Flip-flops. And ice cream or popsicles? Ice cream. Love it. Thank you. <laughs> I think it's so much fun. And I think that um, I, I always think I know what people's answers are going to be. I have no idea why I think that, but I do. And, um, and usually I'm wrong. <laughs> usually I'm totally, totally wrong. So, all right. Just a couple more questions for you before we wrap up. Thanks for playing along. That was awesome. So you, we talked about setting the timer for 
30 minute stretches and then taking a quick break and, um, and, and doing something else that really doesn't kind of break the, the stream of the focus stream that you have going on. How many of those is recommended that you do at a time? Okay. Okay. So that's such a good question. So this is just what I found, first of all, personally myself, and then I asked around and then I've sort of validated this with 16 years of working with, uh, with um, my, my clients. So when I was writing my book, I wanted to, I worked in 30 minute chunks and I really wanted to write more than I actually was. And I was feeling bad. So I was doing five hours of 30 minute chunks, four, four hours, four to five hours. So that would be eight or 10, 30 minute chunks. And, but I just couldn't get myself to do any more. Like my brain, I would say my brain feels dead, which not a good uh, analogy really but it would just be completely fried after that and then uh, at the time my brother was doing his phd and i was like james how how long can you can focus and he didn't know that my my what my findings was and his was four hours and then i met dr halliwell who is a big um well-known add doctor and I was telling him, I can't remember exactly what he said, because I don't want to misquote him, but it seemed very much in line with me and my brother's experience. So that's what I tell clients, four to five hours. Now, of course, if you've got a deadline, you're going to be able to maybe work 12 hours, although we don't really recommend that, but you could some in some very unique situations, but I guarantee you, after you've done like a very big long stint, you're not going to be able to do the same the next day because it comes down to the brain juice. So if someone's had a very intense longer than those four to five hours, then uh, it's it, it's going to fatigue them for the for the next day, and then you feel bad about yourself. So can, that consistency is, and of course you're going to perhaps have more work to do, but it's not that deep focus work. Okay, because that, I was actually going to ask that question because most of us have longer days than four to five hour work days, right? And so you're not saying that once you get through the five hours, then it's like hang everything up for the day and you're done and you can go and, you know, put your feet up on the couch. It's it's just a different type of work. And so you want to save, it sounds like what you're saying is you want to save the most important work that you have to do it during that four to five hour stretch and then maybe do some of the other things that you have on your plate that are maybe not as important or not as urgent for the, the time period outside of that. Did I get that right? Yeah. And some tasks that you need to do don't really require you to be into that deep focus. So you might just a few quick emails like, yeah, confirmed, received it. Thanks. You know, that's not going to be required for you to do your deep focus work. So for and, me, go ahead. No, go ahead, So I was just going to ask, so is it easy then for most people to make that determination on what is the work that I need to focus on during this time and what's not? Do you find that your clients or anybody in general that struggles with distractions, do they have a difficulty deciding What's the work that I need to focus on during that four to five hour stretch? Yeah. So 
there's a brilliant book and it's called Deep Work by, I think it's Cal Newport. And it's a really, really good. It's going to, you'll feel very motivated to do deep work, which is what we're talking about. So deep work is things that will move you forward. So for me, it's writing. And it sounds like for your audience, it will be those numbers, like when you have to like really do. So it's like your bread and butter. So yes, moving things forward, but it's, uh, yeah. So it is different for everybody and it's not always easy to figure it out, but it, it, it once you know it, it will always be the same. Gotcha, gotcha. So the really the type of work that moves the needle in your business, whether it's the uh, commercial side, the, the, the client facing work that needs to get done, or it's a project that you might be working on on the, the back end of your business, but it's going to move you forward and allowing you to do more client work is what it sounds like to me. But the name of the book is Deep Work. And you said the author's name was Cal. I think it's New. Uh, okay, well, if we will definitely link to that book in the show notes um, so folks can pick that up. And so we, we will either you can get that information to us or we'll do our we'll do the research because it sounds like it's fascinating. Oh, it absolutely does. Yeah, it, it really, really is. Okay, so then I th- let me ask you this. How does one... And this is, I think this question, I want to ask it because there may be people in our audience who think that they should be tested to find out whether their challenges with distractions is something that is uh, medical in nature, you know, something that can be, you know, formally diagnosed, or if they can just kind of try and use certain tools that some of the things that the strategies that we've talked about today mm-hmm. how does one make that determination how does one decide that i need to like this is bigger than just me and i need extra help in working through this how what's the best way to make that decision so a lot of people with the kind of felt that something wasn't right their whole life but they never really quite knew what it was and oftentimes they're really good at school if your audience doing numbers so there's a, 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 I don't know, it's not a school of thought but there is a it's too big a thing but there is a thought that someone with ADHD the worst job would be to go into accounting but that isn't true uh, and I'll tell you why some of my best proofreaders that I've ever worked with have ADHD. Uh, I also have worked with some accountants that had ADHD. For these people, it's like numbers is relaxing or the the navigating social uh, situations can be very hard for some people with ADHD, not everybody. And so the numbers, there's just a very definitive, you know, when you're there sort of thing. There's no puzzle to solve it's, well, it. Well, but it might feel a fun puzzle, but it's not like this mystery social. Mm-hmm. So there are, so, but just imagine if you did well at school and you're working with numbers, it would be very easy for a professional to say, oh no, you don't have ADHD. So you might have been brushed aside uh, for, for those reasons, or because you're a woman, or you know, there's lots of reasons why it might have been brushed aside, but you might feel like there's always like something. 
a lot of people are misdiagnosed with anxiety and depression. They often go hand in hand with ADHD, but that doesn't mean so you can't have ADHD as well. So if um, there's a, I could send you a link. There's a lot of like online screening. So if someone's thinking, do I, do I not? You could take a, like a reputable screening. It's not a diagnostic tool, tool but it is enough. Like, is it worth pursuing this? And so that's like, it would put anyone's mind at rest. The other thing is ADHD unless you've had a head injury, it is something that you will have been born with. But it doesn't mean to say it was problematic until whenever. So some people get to university and all of a sudden it becomes problematic because perhaps they were at home and the home life was very structured and mom and dad were giving, waking you up and giving you your meals and then you had good relationships with your teachers with deadlines so and then all of a sudden you're at college or university and you said earlier you were joking like you've got adult um like late onset adhd and uh, i mean you can it's fine to say that but it's a possibility too like some people uh, when the hormones kick in around menopause that's that's a sign and um, like if life has changed if you've been working in a structured environment with for a company and then go out on your own with no external deadlines that's when some people think hang on a minute I think I've got a problem here but it might never have been detected before just because you just so happen to have like uh, all the things that were working for you and you didn't know you had ADHD because it was never problematic before or or you've been in situations whether you've put yourself there on purpose uh knowingly or or not like you know i can think of situations where people may have gone into the military you know and that's a very disciplined you know place to be and so it probably makes things really easy for you to get into that you know get into certain habits so if you do struggle with certain, you know, challenges of distractions, ADD, ADHD, you don't necessarily see it because you've, you know, created an environment that it doesn't really, you don't have, you're unable uh, to, to be distracted, right? Like, so it's, it's, it helps you in some sense. And so when you come out of that situation, now it really begins to present itself so much more, right? Yeah, you've, that's that's like such a good example that happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I I I I definitely can see that happening. I know some 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 folks who that have been in the military for years and and you know thrived in the military and then yeah. come out and it's a totally different. It's like almost it's like a train wreck, you know. And you're like, what happened? And yeah. so. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I get it. This has been so enlightening. This, this I've learned so much talking with you today, Jacqueline, and I really feel like this is going to help someone in our audience um, with some of the things that they they may be facing in their business, and really just helping them determine like, is this just something that's the buzzword shiny object syndrome or is this something deeper that I need to really dig into and figure out what tools I need, what strategies I need, what you know, external assistance can I get to really help me do this 
better in my business and you know allow my business to thrive and so for that i appreciate you so much tell me where where can we find you online because i know that somebody needs you somebody in our audience needs you absolutely so my website is called untappedbrilliance.com and that got its name because a lot of my clients were saying like I've got so much potential but I just can't like access it so so that's how it's got its name I've also got a book by the same name Untapped Brilliance and then there's also a free Facebook group uh, Untapped Brilliance Club and you people can join there and well can connect with me and then lots of other people just like them that makes things so easy (laughs) (laughs) untapped brilliance everywhere the book the facebook group the website i absolutely love it i know that we also talked about a tool that you actually have that can help people understand how to better utilize their strengths when it comes to overcoming distractions or overcoming uh, an ADD, ADHD kind of um, diagnoses and how you can really thrive. Can you tell us a a bit more about that? Absolutely. So it's a a free little mini book and it's called Five Ways to Master Your ADD Strengths Like a Pro. And so but don't, don't feel that you have to have ADD. You can just um, it still still be helpful so we all want to like work with our strengths rather than fighting against them so it really tells you the steps on on how to do that okay and we will definitely share the link in the show notes to all of that we will share that there were now there are two books that we'll share the links to and we'll share the link to your website and your facebook group as well as to the mini book Uh, the five steps mini book. So thank you so much for making that available to us. And thank you so much for sharing your brilliance with us today. Uh, I, again, have just, I'm enlightened and, um, and and can't wait to pick up both, both books and, and really learn more about this particular topic. Oh, wow. Awesome. Well, thank you, Kimberly. This has been great. Jacqueline, um, you are welcome back to the Spark Hustle Flow podcast anytime. I'd love to have more conversations with you uh, in the future. So thank you so much. You guys, that's it. That's a wrap for this episode. Thank you so much for spending the last half hour or so with us. I don't know if anybody started a timer when we started this, but I think it's time for Jacqueline and I to take a break. And so with that said, we will see you on our next episode. Remember, as always, be proactive, be productive, and be profitable. And ciao for now. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Spark Hustle Flow podcast. If you enjoyed this show, make sure to subscribe, rate, and leave a positive review on Apple Podcasts. This helps other money pros just like you find the show and learn too. And if you want to hear more from me, follow Spark Hustle Flow across all social media channels and subscribe to my newsletter at sparkhustleflow.com backslash newsletter to get regular updates on what's happening in my world, weekly business development tips, and personal lessons I'm learning that can help you too. Again, that's sparkhustleflow.com backslash newsletter. That's it for this week. Remember, as always, be proactive, be productive, and be profitable. See you next week.